This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 251 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, December 10th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, December 14th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Hi, everybody. So what's going on in this episode, Elijah? Well, in this episode, we trek out one very important reason to sit through that new Star Wars film. In Star Trek Online news, we're looking at the latest ship promotion and bringing you up to speed on some community news. Later, Cookie and I put Star Trek The Next Generation's The Naked Now on screen. And just in time for your seasonal shopping, Jake visits the promenade for some Star Trek products that you might want to add to your wish list. Of course, throughout the show, we'll keep hailing frequencies open for your incoming messages. We're fans of Trek just like you, so join us in the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or follow us on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click the widget on our homepage. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, new and old, who make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's trek out the latest in Star Trek news. Then let's trek it out. If I'm not mistaken, there's some movie coming out on December 18th or 17th about some old guy, his pet shaggy dog monster, and space samurais, Star City Wars, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's Star Wars, I think that's Yeah, what something it is. like that. Anyway, all I know is that this is directed by the same guy that pooped all over our beloved Khan story just so he can make this upcoming film. Hmm. I wonder how many people I just enraged in under 10 seconds. You said pooped. Well, in any event, if for whatever reason you were debating jumping on the bandwagon to see The Force Awakens in theaters, here's a reason you might just want to catch it. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Paramount locked in trailer space before the start of The Force Awakens in order to debut the third installment of the Star Trek reboot, Star Trek Beyond. 
Now my guess is that this will be really more of a teaser than a full-on trailer, considering that Star Trek Beyond isn't scheduled to release until July 22nd, 2016. In my opinion, I think this is finally a smart move for Paramount. As much as we like to jest, there is a good percentage of crossover in the fan base between Star Wars and Star Trek. So in other words, if you know Star Trek, you probably know something about Star Wars and vice versa. So what better chance does Paramount have to spark some buzz over the new film than to showcase it during the trailer to one of the most highly anticipated films of our lifetime? My hope is that they take advantage of the spot and show something that is going to generate some really good buzz. Because I think that they'll be underutilizing this marketing opportunity with, you know, some three-second teaser. And if they try to pull another Benedict Cumberbund, John Harrison crap, the internet is going to explode. What do you think, Kenna? Are you, are you concerned at all that Paramount might fumble on this opportunity to draw in some audience? Uh, well, I will say it's a bold move. <laughs> I mean, that's like really doubling down. That's that's ballsy, I think, um, putting a, a Star Trek trailer in front of a Star Wars film. Um, I am a little worried that they'll screw it up. <laughs> but um, I reserve judgment until we actually see it. I will be going to see it. Um, and I won't be able to report back until the new year. But yeah, I think it's bold. And um, I think... It takes a lot of confidence to do. I hope that it's not just something that the marketing team went, guys, we have to do this. Um, I hope that it's something that the whole production team went, right, we've got something really exciting that we want to show because it could backfire horrendously if it's no good. We'll see. You know, I, that's what I'm concerned. I'm, I'm wondering if, if like somebody was just perusing through trailer space <laughs> and saw like two weeks ago, right? Like this is this is how I envision this happening. Two weeks ago, somebody at, at Paramount was kind of just like scrolling through trailer space. I wonder if we can get on, you know, Justice League. I wonder if we can. I wonder what about uh, what about that new Marvel movie? Maybe we can get on there. Oh my gosh, Star Wars! And like jetted out of his desk and busted through somebody's door and tried to get in on this. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm fearful that this is this was a last minute impulsive decision, and that what we're going to get is just the logo or something like that and I'm going to be really disappointed if that's the case well uh, the thing is we'll have to see I mean I think most people would agree that so far the uh, publicity surrounding Star Trek Beyond has been uh, extremely meh (laughs) Um, and this is their their opportunity to great to to cut that off to go it's not meh it's amazing Right. If they can pull it off and generate some excitement around it, that'll be great. Because what we've heard so far is this sort of nebulous, there was a script and then there wasn't a script and then they brought in a new writing team and they got rid of one guy and they brought somebody else. And That's all we know. We don't know anything else. Uh, so this is the opportunity to go, right, we have a film, we have a cast, it's going to be great and this is why you're going to love it. So if they can do that, they'll nail it and it will be great. You're right. There's a lot of crossover uh, between the two fandoms, uh, but if they if they fumble it, it, it'll just like they might as well not even bother with the rest of the film. I will punch a Wookiee in the face if anybody tries to talk during that trailer. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> I, I personally, I'm gonna get dressed up in my Star Trek gear. Nice and, and, nice. and go. <laughs> oh, nice aggro, aggro the entire. Yeah, theater. I mean, I've got seats in the front row. <laughs> 
should walk in. You should walk in really confused in a Starfleet yeah. uniform. You should like walk in, sit down, and then like look around and be like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> hang on a minute." <laughs> so what else have we got? So obviously, uh, moving on from the film over to the series, uh, obviously details on the new Star Trek series are very thin on the ground. Basically, everything is still speculation at this point. But when we find little tidbits, we have to talk about them. The Huffington Post recently interviewed Kate Mulgrew about her thoughts on the new show, and it's a really interesting take on things, on her tenure as Captain Janeway, on her personal challenges taking on that role, and of course, looking forward to what kind of captain she'd like to see in the new series. Now, one of the things they talked about was this idea that what the franchise needs next might be an LGBT captain. As for there maybe being another woman captain, she was coy about it, but she did say, quote, it's just kind of nice being the only female captain to date, unquote, which I can kind of agree with. Now, this interview really touches on an issue that I wanted to talk about with the new series, and that's diversity. Because you see, okay. Star Trek has a real diversity problem, and that could be a whole debate for a whole other episode. Uh, but ultimately, the diversity problem is one that they're not going to resolve just with casting. And that's just because it's physically impossible to represent everyone with a cast of, what, you know, seven people max. Not without artificially shoehorning quote-unquote diversity in there just for diversity's sake. Now, Star Trek has a real reputation of being ahead of its time, socially speaking. But looking back, they tend to tackle social issues tangentially, like, hey, there's this stuff that happens, and we can see it, and sometimes interact with it, but over here, we're, like, really into the status quo. Now, that may have been groundbreaking back in the 60s, 80s, 90s, but that's not going to cut it in today's entertainment industry. If Trek still wants to have its reputation for pushing boundaries, we need to see social issues directly affect the main cast, and not just get written away every episode. So in addition to diversity in casting, we as fans must also push for diversity in the storytelling, going beyond the alien slash social issue of the week. And crucially, the one everyone always forgets about, we must push for a diverse production team. It simply won't do to have a team of white, heterosexual, cisgender men trying to tackle issues of gender, race, and sexual equality, as well as economic and religious conflict. Now, I know that the casting of the new captain and crew are going to be hot topics over the next year, and of course, we will bring you every scrap of information we can find, but I personally will also be keeping an eye on who they bring in as directors, producers, and writers, because that's really what's going to make or break the franchise. You know, um, something that immediately popped into my head was um, the Fox show Sleepy Hollow. I remember that it came under scrutiny when the story shifted away from the girl and onto what's his face because she was a strong female lead she she was she was uh portrayed in a, a, a very well by the actress and then it was pulled away and the reason i bring it up is because it's it's jj has influence right it's from bad robot isn't sleepy hollow bad robot i'm not sure i don't i, have, I haven't Man. watched it here in the uk sorry yeah, Sleepy Hollow, if I'm not mistaken, is 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 one of those Kurtzman, Lindelof, Orsi, JJ, you know, projects. Um, and the 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 first season was strong with an African American lead heroine, mm -hmm. and then the series shifted to focus on uh, the 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 male character, Ichabod, um, Ichabod Crane. 
Yeah. Ichabod Crane, right. You know, and then it was like, well, what happened? What, mm. why, you know, what happened to the diversity and why did it shift so drastically? Um, I didn't continue watching it after the first season. I think I caught a few episodes of the second yeah. season. Um, but you're right, you know. I mean, uh, as a Latino, you know, the, the only – actually, it, it's interesting because I, after watching last week's Encounter at Farpoint mm -hmm. and realizing that I think the only Latino I've, I, I can re remember seeing on The Next Generation got frozen off <laughs> – um, yeah, you know it. It it it's a little sad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little it's a little disappointing. And then we have a strong captain like Adama in Battlestar Galactica, but he's not even really Latino, right? He's if you watch Caprica, um, you know, he's played by a Latino actor, but he's not Latino. Yeah. He's not he's not yeah. Torres. He's not Gonzalez. He's Adams. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I yeah I agree. I agree. I think that I think it's time to tackle even more of the humanity mm -hmm. uh, and more diversity in, in the new series. I, mean, I think it's going to be a real challenge for the people that take on this franchise because, you know, we have Gene Roddenberry's vision of sort of a utopian future where there's no conflict, there's no war, there is no racial inequality, there is no gender inequality. Uh, that's his vision of the future. But you can't portray that um, and, uh, like, Pretend it didn't happen, if that makes sense. You're almost negating the struggle that's going to happen between now and then. And in, in modern TV, uh, the shows that are doing really well, that are being groundbreaking and really forward thinking, are the ones that are embracing different points of view. They've got um, racially and gender diverse production teams that are telling stories in new ways. And they've got to do that in a way that doesn't conflict with Gene Roddenberry's vision and that is going to be a real challenge well, that was that was a huge point of contention between Gene Roddenberry and most of any writer that ever worked mm. on the show it was that the you know a, a, a character's catharsis a character's um, evolution typically and plot mm -hmm. typically require some degree conflict. of conflict and Gene would Say no. This is we can't. We this, there there is no conflict in yep. the future in the twenty fourth yep. century, and it would really pigeonhole a lot of the um, a lot of the writing staff and, and really you know but, you know and then I hear I, I think it was actually in Chaos on the Bridge one of the writers was saying oh you know it helped us think out of the box yeah. <laughs> so to speak but you know at the, at that at the same time then we get episodes like Spock's brain you know or some something yeah. like that uh, or Alien of the Week so but that's uh, that's what has resulted in that sort of I mean TNG was uh, you know my favorite series but it was very much uh, this uh, sort of American whitewashed version of Utopia and that was the crew uh, and they would they would go out and encounter all these conflicts and these things that were happening and they would um, they would interact with them and they would solve a problem but then at the end of the day they'd go back to their ship which was the american whitewashed american whitewashed version of utopia and it would go back to the status quo and that's where um i don't think that's going to cut it in today's entertainment industry i don't think they will win any prizes for that well that brings us to our first community question this week so who would you like to see as the new captain now you could be specific and give us an actor's name or why don't you paint us a picture a description of what that captain looks like in your brain who that captain embodies, the characteristics. Let us know by leaving a comment on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO251 or on Facebook or Twitter. Hashtag 
Cuban captain on the bridge. <laughs> Just saying. So have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about, or maybe a snippet about the new Trek series you'd like us to discuss? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where Mark and I, with a little help from Winters, take you through the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. Unfortunately, Mark is ill this week, so you've just got me. You are welcome. Hi. Oh, and Winters. Hi, Winters. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start off this week with the news that the Tier 6 Alachi Shishar Dreadnought Cruiser is back in an exclusive R&D pack promotion. For a nebulous amount of limited time, buying a new R&D pack via the C-Store will get you either 10 lobby in addition to your normal materials, or if you're very lucky, a brand new shiny ship. The Tier 6 Shashar is a pretty solid ship built for damage with good survivability. It comes equipped with the Shashar Assault Craft Console, which separates the ship into the main vessel and a smaller Assault Craft pet. It's also got a hangar bay with Alachi Oshu shuttles. Overall, in addition to a good amount of firepower, the Shashar has the capability for some really nifty gameplay. Now, I should mention that you can find the ship on the exchange if you're flush with EC. It'll set you back about 580 million. But if you're feeling a bit space poor, just remember, she sells Shashars in the sea store. Thanks to Bread and Circuses on the forums for that one. So, Winters, have you got this ship? I don't, actually. Um, Ah! Yeah, I don't... I'm shocked! I don't have this one. Uh, I did... uh, Or did I, actually? No. I've never tried to actually get it, either. I was just trying to think the last time that this uh, promotion was going on. I'm not actually a fan of how the ship looks. And I've got enough ships as it is where uh, I haven't actually tried to pick this one up. Yeah, it seems a really interesting one for me. I think if it wasn't, you know, a random drop, I might actually have a go. Like, if this was an event ship, I'd I'd totally be on top of it, because it looks pretty nifty. Um, It seems a little bit similar in the layout to my uh, Fleet Arbiter, which I do love. Um, I might give it a miss with the R&D packs, but I think there will be some people out there who are going to really go for it. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, for sure. Um, I've just had very bad luck with this sort of stuff in the past because <laughs> when they had uh, the new T6 bug ship, for example, like I opened up so mm. many boxes for that and you know I just got nothing. Uh, so I, I have a really uh, bad track record with these sort of promotions. Yeah, when it's down to a random open, it can be a little tricky. Yes. So now on to community news. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, the official screenshot contests are back. And if you want to see the best of the art of Star Trek Online, you should go and have a look. The winners of the November contest have now been named. The theme was DS9, and some of the images are really inspiring. And I have to take a minute to mention that if you are a Cisco fan, you'll especially love the second place winner, which was an artistic close-up of Cisco's baseball. Good stuff. For more information and a link to the December contest, we'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO251. The theme for December is winter festivities. And speaking of winter festivities, a big thanks to Lance, SFC, and Orangitis for hosting our big fleet party in-game, celebrating the 250th episode of Priority One Podcast. If you weren't able to make it, the whole stream is now archived on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube.com forward slash Network. 
And while you're there, be sure to check out our other Star Trek Online videos, including playthroughs, exclusive dev interviews, and tips and tricks from our very own team. So moving on to patch notes, patch notes this week were relatively light, but there were a number of bug fixes implemented, and I'll just highlight a few of the big ones. In the winter event, they've adjusted the winter recipe ingredients so that they can be accessible again. I know some people were having difficulty finding one or two of the ingredients that you needed to complete the recipes, and that should now be fixed. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people uh, complaining about that, so that's actually good news. Mm. Yeah, and they've done it pretty quickly since the launch, so that's good. Mm-hmm. All EPO breeding duty officer assignments, uh, both on New Romulus and in the winter event, have had their durations reduced from 24 hours to 20 hours, which sort of standardizes it with other daily type events. Yeah, that one works out nicely because now I can sync that yeah. up with my daily race. So that's yeah. a nice quality of life exactly. improvement. Yeah, because previously, if you only logged in once a day, you'd really only get that EPO mission completed once every two days. Yeah, pretty much. Or you'd have to log in once and then wait four hours and do it yeah. again. So, yeah, that's that's a nice little uh, improvement. And then, not with the winter event, but just in general, they've increased the maximum auction price on the exchange, which used to be 500 million energy credits, and it's now 750 million energy credits. Now, this is a really good change that um, I've been looking forward to. It's been the idea of it's been bandied around for a while, and I noticed that on the triple patch notes, it was going to be a billion but they've backed off of that a little bit to 750 million. But that's good because what it does is it brings some of the uh, larger high ticket items back onto the exchange where previously, for instance, if you wanted to buy a, the Herald cruiser, you would have to go off the exchange to try and find one. Uh, now you can actually get some of the more higher priced, rarer ships actually on the exchange. So that's a good move. And uh, it will be interesting to see how that evolves and whether they'll raise it again up to the 1 billion. Now, in terms of systems, they had uh, there was a bug in the Admiralty system that they've resolved where if you hit 10 of 10 tour of duty in the Klingon campaign, it wouldn't progress. That should now be fixed. So go and have a look. Also, after last week's fixes with the Neutronic Torpedo, there was an issue that was causing it to drain less power than it was intended, and so they fixed that. And there was a couple of minor uh, UI fixes, including a couple problems in the new mail interface. Uh, Those should now be fixed as well. As always, I recommend reading through the entire patch notes for yourself to see if you'll be affected by any of the changes. Now, finally, just before we move on to upcoming events, we here at Priority One want to give a massive thanks to Massively OP. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. For featuring us in their Perfect 10 list of where to get your MMO podcast fix. It's a huge honor to be recognized, and we really couldn't have done it without you, our listeners. Thank you for sticking with us over the years, and here's to many, many more. So quickly, just before we wrap up, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. As I mentioned before, the Ilachi Shashar Dreadnought Cruiser R&D Pack promo is now on. We don't have an end date for this event yet, but I'd recommend getting in there sooner rather than later. Q's Winter Wonderland is also still on now through the 15th of January. It's your chance to earn exclusive ridiculous prizes like the Lollipop Lurpa, Candy Cane Batleth, and a brand new Space Lobster. I mean... Green Resrath Cruiser. And looking a little further ahead, there's a bonus XP weekend coming up on the 24th, that's Christmas Eve, so it's a great chance to replay the Iconian War episodes and earn a few spec points. Winters, go on, ask me why everyone should replay the Iconian arc. 
Why should everyone replay the Iconian Arcana? Well, Winters, because at Christmas time, you can never get enough nog. Yeah, where's Mark with his crickets? <laughs> we need him. <laughs> As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week we're reviewing The Naked Now, written by John D.F. Black and J. Michael Bingham and directed by Paul Lynch. This episode first aired October 5th, 1987. Let's get a quick summary first. Elijah? So, this isn't the most thrilling of TNG plots, considering it's a pretty spot-on ripoff of the original series The Naked Time. Now, without spoiling, the Enterprise is tasked with ascertaining the fate of the SS Tchaikovsky. As the Enterprise approaches, there is clearly something strange happening on the ship. Card's hail is answered with some pretty clear sexual propositions. Of course, Riker, for fear of missing out, jumped on the opportunity to run over and investigate. Unfortunately, Geordi gets handsy with a closet lollipop and becomes infected. Or afflicted? I don't know. He catches whatever it is that lets the crew of the Tchaikovsky to party like it was 1999. Under pressure to find a cure before the nearby star explodes, the crew of the Enterprise succumb to their feminine and masculine wilds. Here are some fun facts about this episode. The plot was based on the original series episode, The Naked Time, as was mentioned before, although it was meant to be an homage. It underwent heavy criticism internally and externally. Even DC Fontana asked for her name to be removed from the writing credits and replaced with the pseudonym J. Michael Bingham because the episode changed so significantly from her original intent during the rewrite. Gene Roddenberry intended for both versions to quickly introduce the needs and desires of the new characters, but many people believed it was too soon in the series to introduce such bizarre behavior to a crew no one even really knew yet. Will Wheaton said, The Naked Now has some genuinely funny moments, but it was only the second time after Farpoint that audiences had seen us. And this episode was not the best way to introduce the audience to a new show, with a new cast, especially when we all knew we were standing on the shoulder of giants. Of course, Will Wheaton would say that because his character is completely unlikable in this episode. But also, George Takei said in his autobiography that he thought this episode was a total copy of one of the best original series episodes, that it was unoriginal, and it was like seeing young children putting on their parents' clothes and trying to act like grown-ups. Ouch. I didn't know how controversial this episode was until I did some research on it. I mean, it wasn't an exact copy except for the one part about someone locking themselves in engineering. It was more of an homage. It is true the story brought out some moments that were totally out of character for the cast, but anyone actually watching the episode can see what is happening and can discern that it's not normal behavior for them if they follow the plot, especially if they've seen the original. So I, I disagree. What? I think that this episode actually showed us and established who these characters are going to be. I'll get more into that later. But what I'm saying is... Anybody watching it can see that there's something wrong. And right. that these there's, characters they're, that they're, they're drawn, watching obviously. is not actually, that's not how they would normally act. Right, right. Well, that's all I'm saying. 
But at their core, these are this is who they are inside that they right no i agree with you i'm just saying this this is what the critics said they said oh you know these characters this is too off the wall you shouldn't have done it that soon nobody everybody's going to be confused now about who these characters really are but i don't necessarily agree with that so all those points aside i really liked this episode it's one of my favorites the reason being it makes me laugh it makes me like the characters more, except for Wesley. Shut up, Wesley! It's fun. It's a fun episode. And it's one that I actually want to watch over and over. It revealed a lot about the characters and made them vulnerable and in some ways relatable. You know that feeling when you get drunk with someone and you have a great night and the next morning after your headache goes away you think of them fondly and feel like you've sort of bonded with them? So that is what this episode felt like for me. No other Star Trek episode gives me that same feeling, so it's a special one to me. I mean, Data loses his virginity! Data, you are fully functional, aren't you? Of course, but... How fully? In every way, of course. I am programmed in multiple techniques. I mean, what more can you ask for? I use quotes from this episode all the time. And you know how last week I said, if I introduce Star Trek to a new viewer, I never start with Encounter at Farpoint, the first episode? It's because I start with this one. Oh, God. That's right. I start with this one. And I'm not ashamed to say it. This is one of the funnest episodes. And my friends are fun, okay? Know your audience. So, I wonder if the rest of The Next Generation was written with an ongoing effort to legitimize this one episode. Like, for instance, Picard and Dr. Crusher. This episode establishes that there is clearly some type of chemistry going on between them in a very awkward way. It's not awkward. That scene is awkward. No, it's natural. But it's not a major plot point throughout the development of The Next Generation. It's it's as if they only teased us with episodes like Attached or their breakfast dates just to be like, see, see, they have a thing. That episode, The Naked Time, it's, it's for real. Take it seriously. And again, and another attempt was made to legitimize this episode when the Borg Queen asked Data how long it had been since he was intimate, and he counted down to ultimately this episode. Anywho, as ridiculous as this episode is, it certainly set a tone for each character, and boy did the writers commit. Picard and Crusher, Riker and Deanna, Wesley's intelligence, Geordi's sensitive nature, and Worf's complete detachment from everyone else. <laughs> Worf didn't even seem like he was affected at all. No. And of, of anybody that should have been really affected, it should have been Worf. Well, I'm glad, kind of glad, because he might have just been wanting to fight with everybody. So now it's time for our favorite quotes. Cookie, what was yours? Mine was the, no, no, Doctor, please. My dear Captain. Not now, Doctor, please. And then that <laughs> weird humming he does. I don't even. <laughs> doctor, there must be a cure, some formula. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to the old one. Damn it, damn it, Captain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was when Beverly hits on Picard in the doorway of his ready room, and they have the oddest exchange, and then you see them walking away, and Worf has been watching the whole time. So funny. I love the directing in this episode. That was awesome. There was an awful lot of shade being thrown around this episode. It started with Riker's report back to the captain aboard the Tchaikovsky. There were 80 people on that ship, number one. Yes, sir. As I said, all dead. 
And then again, when Deanna pretty much tells Picard to get out because he's not helping figuring out what the problem is in the med bay. Delusion? Any or all, Captain. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And this is before people were even afflicted by the space booze. So that brings us to our second community question. Do you think it was a good idea to air this episode so soon in the series? Well, now let's open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages about our review of Encounter at Farpoint. RTK142 commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Liking the new format. Good job, all. As for the community question, I definitely like the Next Generation cast. The Next Generation is my second favorite series after DS9, and it's because of the likes of Data, Jordy, Riker, and the rest. They were excellent characters, and they were played very well. And I must say, it would be awesome if the captain of the upcoming series were Cuban. I'd right. fully support that. Yeah, boy. Um, I need to interject here a second because Kenna was um, harassing in the chat and was saying that um, I have to scroll up because she was she was she was bashing on Riker. Okay, about Riker. What? I thought she yeah. loved Riker. She does, but she but she was totally like, oh yeah, to establish Riker as a as a sex fiend essentially which is totally not the case in this episode he was he was yeah you called him horn dog he held it together like the most you called him horn dog riker and that was not established in this episode of anybody who you would think would have it established it would it would have been riker but no i mean he's like he takes care of deanna he takes care of deanna when she's sick and then he he gets the job done so uh i disagree with you kenna he doesn't have any fun the only, like, loophole with this episode is Data getting the virus or whatever. That's so not. If you prick me, do I, I know, That would have never happened, like, later on in the series. That would have never happened. But they were getting to know the series, and they were just kind of testing everything out, and they failed in that aspect. But Data lost his virginity in the process, so I'm not complaining. Sean Newboy commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Wonderful show, everyone. I enjoyed the later seasons of TNG. Once they started... Letting the characters develop better. Thomas Townley posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I liked On Screen as its own show. It feels a bit tacked on to this one. Hopefully this will improve in time. Feel free not to rush through it. Oh, I'm... Trust me, Thomas. We've been recording for quite some time. <laughs> well, I mean, like, we have a time limit, so... We kind of sometimes do have to rush through it. What's our time limit? And have we exceeded it yet? One of the biggest challenges for the dedicated on-screen show was the fact that we had to watch the episode all together simultaneously, right? And then also independently with the homework. But that that was the least of it, really. You know, it's hard for people to um, make the time to be able to sync up with us, you know? it was we're, we're asking a lot of our listeners, so we figured that instead of trying to do it while watching the show, we can do bite-size on screen uh, here with Priority One at, while also expanding Priority One's coverage of all things Star Trek. Cookie and I have already spoken about it, uh, that when the new series comes out uh, on CBS All Access, that will probably shift for, away from TNG and, and start uh, reviewing that, that show. Who knows, we might do a uh, Talking Trek show, like Talking Talking Dead. Small Yoda commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I do mostly agree with the fact that the Next Generation cast doesn't change much from the beginning to the end of the show. However, while Captain Picard isn't as aggressive as Captain Kirk was, he's still a bit more aggressive at first 
than he is in the later seasons, and Riker, while ambitious at first, does become more experienced and a little more seasoned, as Counselor Troy put it. The Next Generation has always been my favorite of the Star Trek series. It's what got me into Star Trek. Same with me, too. It's my favorite, and that's what got me into it. Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation, The Naked Now. Let's visit the promenade and add some amazing Star Trek products to our wish list with Jake Cobb. Hello and welcome. I'm Jake Cobb, and this is the promenade. Yep, we have a segment named after a Deep Space Nine location. We're really shaking it up here at Priority One. So what exactly is the promenade all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Once a month, we'll highlight some of the useful, unique, fun, quirky, and exciting Star Trek products announced or available, where to get them, and how much they'll cost the Priority One audience and staff. You'll hear about some great stuff you may never have known existed, but really should. So let's get to it. It's December, and the winter celebrations are right around the corner. Do you know what to buy the bride or beau? The critters or kiddos? Fret not, fellow Trekkies. Priority One is here to help. Have you got a young Star Trek fan or a Trekkie who's a kid at heart? Check out the Star Trek Reaction Retro Action Figures by Funko. These 3.75 inch or 9.525 centimeter action figures are a throwback to the handheld toys from the late 70s and early 80s. Assortments 1 and 2 are currently out and feature the entire bridge crew, sans poor Chekhov. You can also get Vina as an Orion slave woman and a Gorn. They feature 5 points of articulation and the likeness is only mediocre, but that's kind of their charm. These gems would fit perfectly next to your 3 and 3 quarter inch Mego TMP figures, or even that other movie series about a war in the stars, wink wink. But they may be a little too throwback for the 90s Galoob TNG toys. The reaction figures average $9.99 US each and can be found at a wide variety of sites including ToysRUs.com, Walmart.com, EntertainmentEarth.com, BigBadToyStore.com, and Amazon.com. Also, stroll those Toys R Us aisles. Star Trek stuff has a way of finding itself in closeout bins. If the women in your life are anything like mine, they love the sparkly allure of rings, necklaces, and earrings. Some of the most unique and frankly beautiful pieces of wearable Star Trek art can be found on the popular website Etsy. Simply type Star Trek jewelry in the search bar and have a look. My personal favorite is by seller Tempest Society, all one word. It's a sterling silver pair of thin rings that meet on the backside and expand out to catch the command delta on the top and bottom and the front. Sizes range from US 000 to US 16, going up in increments of 0.25, so sizing shouldn't be an issue. The seller, who has 52 reviews with an average of 5 out of 5 stars, is listing the ring at $50 US. Whether you order this ring from Tempest Society or find another item from a different Etsy seller, remember to order early. These are generally handmade and as such will take a little while to get to your door. One more side note. If you're a hashtag shop small or a hashtag shop localer, Etsy is in general small out of the house businesses. But again, don't forget to order early. Now for the coup de gras, the piece de resistance. The Trekkies version of the Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock in this thing which tells time. I'm talking about the Star Trek original series Phaser Remote by the Wand Company. This beauty arrives at your door in what can only be described as an away team carry case. Pop open the case and you'll find the phaser ready to easily assemble. 
It comes with a handle, a Type 2 base, display stand, and a removable Type 1 phaser. As a nice touch, it features only the neatest included screwdriver of all time. The phaser could stand alone as an excellent prop replica, as it was created using 3D laser scans of the last known hero prop, and is constructed of rubber, plastic, and metal, and finished with a hand-polished matte nickel-plated die-casting. But this isn't just a prop replica. Nope. It's a programmable, universal remote control. It uses gestures to change the channels, raise or lower volume, and turn on and off your TV, Blu-ray, or main view screen. The controller is the Type 1 phaser, so leave it attached or remove it. It doesn't matter. On top of all of that, it features authentic and adjustable lights and sounds. This is the gift, but it isn't cheap. You can get the phaser remote at the Star Trek store or thinkgeek.com for $150 US. But at the time of this recording, Amazon had it listed for $135.62 US. The Star Trek original phaser remote. Be still my beating heart. So, there you have it. Your shopping problems are solved. But seriously, thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts or suggestions on the segment, so let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. Remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Well, that wraps up episode 251 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to extend a special thanks to our listener Chris Keane, for the voicemail he left congratulating us on our 250th episode. And while we're at it, happy birthday to you, Chris, from all of us here at Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. Our first one, who would you like to see as the new Capitan? It could be a specific actor or just a character description of what they should be like. And our second community question is from On Screen. Do you think it was a good idea to air The Naked Now so soon in the series? Or was it a cop-out and a direct copy of an original series episode? Hmm. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community questions in the comment section on our website, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply. We're also now taking submissions for our end-of-year blooper special. Send us an email with your favorite, along with the episode it came from and timestamp if you're keen, and tune in at the end of December to see if it made the cut. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. You can head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or you can check us out on Twitter via at priority one pod. You can even join the priority one podcast chat if you play Star Trek online. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one and don't forget to tune in to priority one productions guard frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com covering the world of space sims including star citizen elite dangerous descent underground and many many more if you like this show then listening to guard frequency is the logical choice Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs, that's T-O-W-R-Y, designs.deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting the show. 
Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria De Post, and James Calvin. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. This is Elijah, intro, sync one. This is Kenna, intro, sync two. This is me. Intro in three. <laughs> Controversial. Listen, Go on, we're still synced up. Alright, alright. And available for download or streaming on Monday, December 7th. No, it's not December 7th. Right, who wrote <laughs> this? I did. It... It's recorded. Oh, it's shilly. <laughs> Wait, is today the 7th? No, today's, no, the, today's 10th. the 10th. You got the 10th today's bit, the right? 10th. Oh, whoops. And just in time for your. Sh- for our seasonal shopping. And, um, Is that not the Naked Now? <laughs> no. Naked Is it Time. Naked Now or Naked Time? Naked... naked... Oh, Which one's TOS? Shillelagh. I'm pretty sure it's Wait. the Naked Now. Wait. It is Naked Now. Damn it. Damn it! Naked Now. Yeah, Naked Now. Jake visits the promenade for some Star Trek pot up. Pot up. Will Wheaton said... Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <clears throat> Will Wheaton said. Will Wheaton. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just... just keep going. Will Wheaton said. Will Wheaton. Also, George Takai said in his auto. Did I say that right? Not Takai. Hey, Takai, right? Okay. George, I'm George Takai. That's right. That's right. Okay. But also, George Takai. Sorry, oh. I forgot already. I'm George Takai. 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 Okay. But also, George Takei said... Oh, his- my. Oh, my God. You got to warn me about these things. Seriously. Damn. No, I had a water bottle. Can't do that with wine, can you? Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> Li- liquid is liquid. If, the, if I did that with the wine, it would be all over the place. You could have it in a sippy cup. No, I do not have it in... I don't own a sippy cup except for the coffee that I drink sometimes. I mean, Data loses his virginity. Hashtag robot sex. This is Elijah, closing sync one. This is Kenna, closing sync two. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that it was at uh, the sync. Okay. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. Zzz. Our first one. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry, I've just watched here. Commercial. I just Commercial. I just watched that Doctor Who episode with the big wasp and oh. the like the thing at the guy at the end and he's Zzzz. Oh man, I thought you were gonna quote no. Fifth Element. No, sorry. Commercial. Commercial. <laughs> 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 Super green. Chris Tucker. Super green. Super green. Super green. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show. And <laughs> that was hard. I don't even know why I screwed that up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. I had to take my headphones off for that one. Jeez. Thanks to our graphic Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale. And... Our, okay. Thanks to our graphic artist Romulan Air and Jason. <laughs> oh, you think I can't do it? Oh, oh, I see. I see. I see. Here we okay. go. Ready? Go ahead. Do it. Go. I dare you. Ready? Okay. Thanks to our graphic artist Romulan Air and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs. Where did you find those monsters? Come to see them. Would you like to join us in the garage? There's a of madness around here. Do 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 Ready for <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, third time's a charm always. Wet, okay. Weddy womb. Weddy womb? <laughs> you hoarded me in my weddy womb. Hi, probably one this is Christopher Keane. Um I'm celebrating my fortieth birthday today. I'm bished as a fart. Um but I would like to say uh, congratulations on 250th episode. You know, it's a milestone. It should be celebrated. And I hope you're having fun. I'm sorry I can't be with you, but my friends are pretty insistent that I'm buying a round of, of shots. So, uh, congratulations and tootly pipsky. I'm not perfect.